listeners, you are listening to a brand new podcast called Three Belly Buttons. This is the podcast that discusses current contemporary visual art exhibitions and events in Australia. My name is Sing Jo. I am the host. I am a visual artist living in Melbourne. In each episode, I will invite two guests from diverse culture and professional background to join me and talk about the aesthetic or loathing or muddled moments in the recent experiences of visiting an art event. For this week's episode, I will be speaking with Nikki Lam and Sophia Tsai about unfinished business perspectives on art and feminism at Australian Centre for Contemporary Art and Trianu at National Gallery of Victoria. I hope this podcast opens a fun and critical space to allow dynamic voices um, placed in the art world and to encourage a large engagement with the art and to increase the general public's um, understanding towards the contemporary visual art. career curator and arts writer based in Melbourne. I moved to Melbourne about three years ago. Um, previous to that, I've been living in Sydney, Canberra, and most recently London. Um, I'm really interested in um, the intersection between contemporary art and craft practice and also Asian um, art history, which is what I specialised in at university. Um, other than a curator and um, writer. I'm also a keen dog lover and knitter. Fantastic! Hello, Nikki. Hi, um, I'm Nikki. Um, I'm an artist, curator, and an arts worker. Um, I have curated um, video art festival channels, um, and um, I use mostly moving image and performance in my own work. Um, and I'm really passionate about, I guess, the intersection between. Um, screen cultures, media arts, um, and also um, Asian Australian identities and sort of migrations of um, rituals. Um, and a lot of my work um, centres around my own sort of narrative, um, migrating to Australia. Um, yeah, I was born in Hong Kong originally, and I'm, I guess, a part of the Asian Australian community. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Um, cool. Well, good to have you here. Um, so, yeah, let's talk about shows. <laughs> um, Sophia, uh, I know you recently wrote a review for uh, Runway magazine on the current exhibition at um, ACCA, Australian Centre for Contemporary Art, mm-hmm. called Unfinished Business, um, Perspective on Art and Feminism. Could you please share um, more your personal journey in this show? Um, maybe talk about your overall um, experience of seeing this show and I'm wondering if you have any favourite works and the works mm. you feel really troubled about. Yeah, sure. Know. So I actually heard about the show from word of mouth many months before it was sort of um, open or announced to the public. Um 
last year I was working with a number of sort of um, feminist artists and female artists and they were all sort of like talking about this big project that was going to happen at ACA soon. There was a sense of excitement that this was going to be a really big, exciting project. Um, so Unfinished Business, you know, opened at the end of last year. It's about feminism in Australia, has a historical kind of basis, but um, very much situated in kind of contemporary works and contemporary dialogues around intersectional feminism. Um, it is a very big show. I To write the review, I went back three times and I still feel like I haven't seen everything because there's a there's a there's the film screenings as well mm-hmm. uh, there's very extensive public programming that has been programmed alongside the exhibition so um i yeah so i still feel like i i haven't you know encountered all of it mm-hmm. um i as i wrote about in my review my feeling about these shows is that it's quite hard for me i guess for anyone really as an audience member perhaps mm-hmm to separate your own sort of political biases from a reading of an exhibition. So in this case, you know, being a feminist myself and being um, someone who, you know, um, really identifies with what the core of this exhibition is about, Mm. you know, my reading of that is always going to be coloured by what I expect or hope Mm. from this sort of context. That being said, um, I think the exhibition is successful in in its attempts to sort of... um, move beyond a very kind of white Australia feminist history and story. Mm. Um, it's been curated by a kind of a kind of like a panel almost of, mm. of curators. Oh. Um, and, I, and as I argue in my review, this kind of makes it more like a curate by democracy model, which is quite interesting because yeah. I feel like ACA, ACA has been kind of doing that for some of its exhibitions. Yeah. Um, it kind of makes sense because Max Delaney, the director, is a man, so, you know, you wouldn't want him to be the only curator on this project. You'd want, you know... A panel yeah. of women. <laughs> um, but that also means that the exhibition suffers a little bit from a lack of focus or direction because there are so many different voices mm. being added, which is not necessarily um, a bad thing. I don't think... Mm. I think it not being prescriptive is actually quite a good thing because it kind of lets you form your own opinion. Mm. It doesn't tell you this is what it is. It kind of says, what do you think about these different things? Mm. Um, yeah, in terms of my favourite works, I I mean, there's so much to take in. So, mm. I mean, some of the highlights for me would be um, Spence Messi's works, which are really beautiful, subtle um, so, um, pre- um, kind of prints um and that kind of sculptural mm. installation um ruth o'leary's um who's kind of opposite spence has done this you know their fuck dress series which is quite a powerful work of performance as well um i also really love linda walker's photography because i feel like she articulates the idea of the female gaze um is I, that the work that um the photograph printed on the mirror oh uh, no it's the no. Fo- there's a picture of it in the um um, in that it's the one that's got it's, she photographs men kind of in intimate settings so she's sort of turning the gaze or turning the camera gaze on them so it's, can you describe the works that you've just mentioned? oh sorry yeah <laughs> so um, this work yes that one sorry sorry I was going to say that maybe yeah yes describe the um, one okay so sorry I'll go I, yeah so um, for Ruth O'Leary's um, so she made this sort of um, dress that's got um, various sort of slogans and words written on it and it's kind of a, um, a kind of a call to action or kind of an angry sort of piece so it's called 
the fuck dresses. So, and mm. then so the, the 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 garments are displayed alongside these large prints of the artist herself wearing them mm. while posing in front of a police car and like another thing as well. So it's sort of, um, I guess, just a performative element of her wearing them out in the public and then us kind of seeing it mm. now today. Mm. Um, Spence Messi's work is really quite. Um, it's very. The reason I kind of talk about these two is because they're very different and they're kind of situated opposite each other. Mm. Spencer's work is much more quiet and subtle, but it's still about the body. Um, mm. It's when you when I did a more reading about the work, I found out it was actually about bruises left on their body mm. and looking at this sort of instances of I suppose um, relationships or power dynamics um and it's kind of accompanied by a text and poem that sort of illuminates on some of those issues mm. but but viewing them just purely aesthetically they're very quite more abstract yeah i'm um, sorry i'm just looking at this images on the website um because the print is um cyanotype sin- yeah. print mm-hmm. so it's a very subtle um like monocolor mm-hmm. sort of um uh, picture sorry yeah but i'm just like yeah i have like yeah because that work has kind of struck me too like it's really aesthetically it's really poetic and subtle Mm. um and um anyway continue (laughs) so i suppose that's um but i mean there's lots of really strong works in the exhibition um hannah bronte's video work um Mm. so i can't remember the title of it now but the one that's um i think it's called mother's or something I can't quite remember sorry mm. um that one you know I've seen it a few times before um in other kind of iterations mm. um in, in this exhibition I feel like um because there was so much work it sort of competed for attention with some yeah. of the other video works but mm. as a work itself it was still really strong mm. and it's sort of looking at this idea of mother earth um personified through these female kind of um female characters and them sort of talking about what we've done to the earth and it's I think um, there's a lot of overlap with feminism and other kind of social movements um, like climate change or you know things like that and it's those kind of intersections that I think that are quite interesting Mm. Um, so the exhibition does include like you know a lot of different works tackling a lot of very different um, ideas Mm. do you think that that's a good thing um, I think it depends on what you sort of, I mean, the way the exhibition itself is framed, it's called Perspectives on Feminism. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's trying to sort of include a lot of different perspectives within that. I think it's it's probably, it makes more sense for a show like this to do that rather than have one singular kind of prescriptive mm-hmm. um, def- definition or narrative Mm. but I can see that it might be difficult for maybe a non-arts audience to access that because it might you know there's a lot going on um it's funny I was thinking that's the opposite I thought that the way of they have these kind of survey shows and um have a a panel of curators um is to include as many audiences as possible to make that accessible. Mm. But it, it's but actually, I feel like it's because as art as an artist, you search for artful experience, which is it doesn't really articulate that convey that experience because that kind of um, the format mm. this show is. So and I thought maybe because they're trying to in this kind of format they're trying to get more audience 
to people who not mm-hmm. in the art world they they can access the work mm-hmm. individually like to to approach one work mm-hmm. another work another work so I thought it was kind of opposite mm-hmm. yeah interesting yeah because I mean what you're saying is relates when we or when anyone goes into an exhibition you try and look for um, something that you can relate to mm. right and so if you're an artist and if you're a feminist or you know you, you're f- familiar with um, feminist art history and whatnot then you might go and see the show and have a particular take on it mm-hmm. but then if you're not familiar with any of it that the having like such a massive show mm. having how many artists like 70 was oh. it 78 artists or yeah, i'm not sure what the really number large is, number it's yeah. a very large number the list yeah. is <laughs> so it goes in three columns yeah, yeah on the website yeah. yeah um that um maybe that's their attempt to try and make sure that there's something for everyone doesn't yeah. matter who you might be you walk in and yeah that it's a little bit more accessible yeah but then in doing so because i think for me um the context of the show was a little bit kind of unclear it felt more of a more like a political statement in saying you know Mm. we need to make space for women Mm. artists and let's celebrate these let's have this conversation have this dialogue um as opposed to a really kind of um uh comprehensive sort of um contextual feminist exhibition yeah. Yeah. i think we need to um also talk about how this exhibition is situated within ACUS programming because yeah it's part of what they've called this is the second exhibition now as part of their big picture series mm. the first one was sovereignty mm. which you know was was this about the same time last year that was another it was similar into this it was um curated by like a yeah you know more than one person lots of artists that one in particular that indigenous mm. artists and um, mm. history so I feel like you know it's sort of it, they're trying to kind of right a wrong in a way of, yeah. of what the art world has um, particularly been biased against but yeah. I think it needs to go beyond just a big exhibition a year yeah. you know it needs to be actually kind of um, yeah. and also this exhibition comes on the back of a lot of sort of um, talk and critique within the Melbourne arts community about gender diversity and kind of these sort of issues. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know, so um, especially, you know, when, you know, best example, I suppose, is when all that stuff about the NGV, NGV Cockfest, about the NGV programming and mm. how problematic that was. Mm. So I think, you know, I'm hopeful that this is more than just a Band-Aid kind of exhibition mm. that is actually shows, okay, you know, we're seriously thinking about what we can do as an art community to do better. But, yeah. you know, it'll be interesting to see what their next big picture show yeah. is oh, uh, <laughs> oh diversity it's okay. <laughs> you go. maybe it's our time to show yeah. well for me like I think I totally agree with you I think that's that show is very um it's um uh, set up uh, a discourse political discourse instead of art discourse mm. so um it's pro- provoked a lot of um political slogans um sort of issues um touch up uh, tick all the boxes like me too and you know it's kind Mm. of right timing and you know you you said overdue and you know so the conversation is very necessary but um it's sort of um right now i feel like a um it's like a sign it's like a yelling a big 
um, word at this moment. Like, uh, if you think about it's a visual art shows, um, think about um, how art represent. As thinking about representation questions, and you suddenly realized um, they haven't really spoke too much about that. Like how art can represent these political issues instead of yelling big word. Um, so I've, I, as artists, I'm really interested in that side. You know how mm. through the history, mm. artists represent these problematic issues and through different mediums mm. and through different conversations. And um, I find like that's really interesting because. You sort of can see it, like it works it themselves and articulate this kind of um, method. Um, well, for me, I don't. Nikki, you'll see the show mm-hmm. too. I mean, I I find out like because mm, it's all spread out and mm-hmm. um, so many work, and you kind of have to tend to draw a one uh, cohesive cohesive what's the word (laughs) Um, sort of um, opinion on the overall experience but I I'm actually interesting um, the the room the video work collection of video works Mm. in the middle rooms Mm. Um, um, and you I just happen to have a time sitting in that room Mm. and start watching the Mm. film and I realize um, the so great. Yeah. <laughs> the one I watched was um, Tracy Moffat, mm. um, Heaven. And I'm just like, the work itself alone, it just can cover the all different um, issues. The indigenous gays and indigenous females and male, white male bodies. And mm. it's just... Um, so for that, that, that video works, it's... And she used the video work that um, old digital a type actually video format. You can see mm. that images was kind of blurring and the zooming is quite clumsy mm. and really handhold. And but that kind of materials itself, materiality was so rich to articulate that that questions mm. behind it. You know, like the gaze you suddenly place in her gaze and look those white men. And lot, lots like moments you feel so com- uncomfortable because you feel like you, you know, like poking through the holes and see something you're not supposed to see. But that it just like everything that work and it's so beautiful art, artful experience. Mm-hmm. And then that you know you can find it in, in each individual work, but you know. And you think about how about other um, video work? Is that video is the best media to talk about these issues? Mm. And then so that kind of things it hasn't been addressed. Mm. Like uh, so, kind of like the connection between the me- the form and yeah. and and the message and the art- artistic yeah. language. Yeah, because like, what I found is that the the message it's very clear um, mm. for the show, like um, for me, but it's mm. just um, there's something lacking in sort of. Um, between the way and and I mean I think the scale of the show it's probably the reason why because they try to have so many artists and even like the room the video room that you're describing Mm -hmm. um, they run a screening program of you know a solid you know six hours of content and depending on what time you go in you get a different so that's kind of not accessible in the way yeah so not all the work but it's really interesting you were talking about the um you know the political agenda almost Mm. and how or if it 
could be represented in art and how mm. it should be used and the activism behind it mm. because um, um, I think and I mean this is just I guess how I feel as a as a woman of colour and mm. artist of colour um, that quite often I would much rather kind of see um, women in shows mm. kind of actually contributing to certain topics like you know I don't know climate change or whatever mm. the context of an exhibition could be and then they can present the feminist perspective of that of yeah, that so conversation not all in this one box yeah, but yeah. as opposed to ha- having a feminist exhibition yeah a little bit like and you know I can see the the reason why it was made in this particular um occasion because yeah. you know they've never had a show like this mm. um I don't think that we've seen a show mm. of this scale on feminism and the history of, of Australian feminist art, almost. Um, but the danger of surveying mm. this topic is that, A, someone's always going to feel left out, that um, mm. a particular yeah. perspective is not being represented. Mm. Um, I don't know what that is in this mm. case, but I'm just throwing it out there. I'm sure it's there. <laughs> Actually, I find that that's kind of remind me, um, the book, Sophia, you quoted... Um, in your review, Jessa um, Crisping, mm-hmm. um, her book, um, Why I'm Not Feminism, a Feminist uh, Manifesto. And I haven't read the book, but I read a review of that book. <laughs> um, and she, I feel like she sort of touched on that sort of question, what is a feminism? So rather, you know, she said about, um, um, well, we if we can, you know, why, uh, why not we talk about um, pension if we already can talk about, um, um, uh, what's the, um, poly, poly marriage? No, polys that, you know, you can marry lots of wife mm. and, you know, you just feel like, you know, like sexual things, it's kind of easy topic to talk about and you forget the real issues, like, mm you know, like what really trouble us, like the equality issues. Mm. I feel like maybe you should touch about like that. Mm. I feel like that's like Mm. what you said, you know, instead of let's talk about just about feminism, but let's embed it in feminism into other critical Mm. problems. Yeah, Yeah. conversations. Um, Well, I think Jess's book is really great. So if you have a chance to read it, you should read it. Mm. Um, The crux of what I, I mean, she talks about a lot of different things, but what I really took away from that book was two things. Mm. One, that if feminism is used as a way for you to, to gain personal gain, mm. then it's not feminism. Mm. And the second thing also is that um, feminism has sort of lost a little bit of its power because it's been made palatable to the general public. Mm. So to kind of appease people and make people feel like, they can be part of it it's sort of mm. actually lost its sort of radicalism or its mm. agency mm. and she talks a lot about the problems of i mean she's based from an american perspective so you mm. know it doesn't really not all of it's applicable but she talks a lot about how you know that kind of um that kind of history of feminism in america like the kind of in the 1970s white feminism really has precluded a lot of different mm. um pe- people and workers as well mm. and how um you know there's a really good example very example of this for example when all of the Me Too stuff was happening. Mm. There was um, a bit of debate happening in America at the time because I think like an alliance of like uh, female farmers had written kind of a letter to the kind of Hollywood, you know, celebrity people kind of saying, you know, also in our industry we feel mm. this sort of harassment. And it took a really long time for that 
for that to be even acknowledged because people weren't like people did not think about their sort of their labor or their work as a kind of a similar sort of way as you know what the other so it's so I think Jess's book is really about breaking down like you know when we talk about feminism really what are we what what are people talking about and what kind of narratives are precluded and I always think about the fact that um you know you really want to be in a position where it's not just like I never want to be someone personally who benefits from feminism in a way that is I guess disingenuous or I'm, I'm not sure what I'm trying to say basically like I would never want to be someone who like isn't you know is able to benefit from you know being a being a feminist and being mm. included in certain things mm. if it means precluding others mm. does that make sense yeah, yeah 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 um so that's i think the kind of the tricky sort of um line that this show and everything else in this mm. sort of terrain has to navigate mm. i mean i have to add here that i am curating an exhibition very soon that is all female artists um that is about feminism but it's from a kind of asian perspective it's um it's about stereotypes of asian women so i myself have kind of worked in capacities where i am sort of looking at a particular set of identity politics Mm. and um it's kind of about i think the struggle is about like you know working within those sort of limitations but also being sensitive to the fact that that does not define or prescribe what this is all about Mm. as well yeah yeah because when, oh, sorry no you go <laughs> oh, I, I was just gonna say because when you really get down to it um even within you know a particular group of um self-identifying asian feminist could also like there's still diversity within mm-hmm. that so mm-hmm. it's like how do you, you know how does anyone show possibly like including yeah, yeah. but i also feel like i mean my perspective on art is it you know I don't think we can go to an art exhibition hoping for social change. I think yeah. that happens mm. in other spaces. Mm. I think art can add to the conversation, make maybe bring in things that you might not have thought about. Mm. But you know, we can't rely on this to kind of be the thing that changes. Yeah, agree. I agree. I think it's yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this could be like Well, I I just want to say that as an artist, um, I thought that's a lot because now mm. if you talk about contemporary art, lots. Um, now lots of artists works conceptually in the way so how do you represent these complex issues and sometimes political issues and um, through your artwork is always the questions mm-hmm. you know um, so every artist is trying to invent their own ways and language to represent these kind of questions and what they thought so in the, another sense that yes artists can't really change the work but um, artists directly respond to it mm-hmm. and so um whatever the artwork articulate is their it's their commentary sort of mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. gesture so um yeah in that way um yeah you know it's it's um art artwork itself the how that art work um successfully sort of um represent that complex issue become a crucial thing when mm-hmm. I go to this work I would search for this particularly that's I guess what I mean artful experience you know mm-hmm. and I think a uh, lot successful artists and done that really greatly and just as mm-hmm. I said like um, Tracy mm-hmm. Moffat and so those kind of when you encounter those work some things you don't have to say it just stay in your mind you know mm-hmm. it's just like a touchy on different degrees mm-hmm. and you're hoping you, you, you so I think art sort of change people's mind in this kind of subtle ways 
and in very long term ways mm. not just like very immediate you know sort of switch your mind it's yeah. like a something that troubles you and then you take away with you and you just keep thinking about it, and then eventually when these moments arrive another moments arrive in your life mm. you just click with this work and realize something new and i think mm. that's that's things about artwork and what at least mm. I think I'm trying to achieve. It's a very optimistic work. reading yeah. of art. <laughs> well, I'm a bit more cynical, I yes, think. Yes, yes. No, I feel like it's quite passive too. You know, like I'm not mm. trying to change your mind. I only can tell you this work. I'm hoping it's like a long waiting time. You know, I'm waiting someone can have a click. Maybe I'm never going to know that. So you just like, mm. it's a very, this. that's the things so I talk about that kind of changing mm. eventually is, something that art is really blind to mm-hmm. you know i have no control. should we talk about the yeah triangle yes. <laughs> actually just before we do that i just wanted to come in on that because i think that's a really good point on so many levels that um but i also feel that at, you know politically mm. um kind of being in this climate where there's so much happening around the world mm. and that artists feel so compelled to respond to these mm. issues mm. and these happenings around them and quite often in their own communities or, you know, to their own families and mm. depending on um, who you are and your political positions within um, these sort of topics, sometimes it's not necessarily... Yeah, sometimes it's passive and sometimes mm. it's active. Like, I think that there's... Um, mm. It's... I think that there's a reason why we're seeing more and more these type of um, artworks being politically driven around the world, even if you go to, like, I mean, last year, like, Documenta and and also Venice Biennale, so many works about, you know, the refugee crisis and so many shows that were set within the context of um, the changing um, political climates and and the power shifts. I I would assume that would be a curatorial side of work that you know that yeah, not but, necessarily artists mm, but artists still respond to these themes mm. um yeah but i guess what i'm trying to say is that i think sometimes it could be it could be like a two-way street mm. sometimes it could be both mm. like a bit of a push and pull mm. um something has happened and artist is responding to it or that an artist mm. is trying to lead a conversation about something and yeah, I think we're seeing a little bit more inter- of that influenced in the way yeah alright let's move on to <laughs> the show you recently see yeah because um, you told me you've been um, going to NGV Tri News um, quite a bit because um, yeah I've been doing it in sections <laughs> Um, yeah, could you talk about um, more yeah. about your experience and share a bit of insight? Yeah, so um, I haven't seen the whole show, disclaimer, mm-hmm. um, but because I'm really interested in, I guess, the um, trying to understand the activism side of of, um, of things, um, and with the triennial. Um, there has been a lot of conversations around two particular works and also um, outside of the exhibition itself um, at the opening and prior to um, the public opening there was a series of artist actions um, at the NGV um, as a form of protest Um, so I guess it's um, I'm really interested in 
those two things combine, which is kind of interesting because we were just mm. talking about mm. feminism and how mm. art, rather or not, it could actually change the world. Um, so a little bit of context, um, NGV um, recently started a contract with Wilson Security, um, which um, they also provide security services um, on Manus Island and um, Nauru. And um, due to all the um, recent, um, I guess, um, happenings at the detention centres, offshore detention centres, there's been a lot of protests around whether or not if um, it's actually ethical for NGV to employ um, was in security. And there has been lots of um, actions um, against this decision and um, including sort of petition and also um, artists and art workers in the community um, making videos of themselves talking about why they wouldn't want NGV to continue to mm. um, to continue with that contract. Oh. Um, and a really big part of that was um, that there was a quite a number of interventions yeah. Um, yeah. that happened at the gallery itself. And yeah. it sort of came off this, um, I guess... Uh, a time when um, the, com- the artistic community decided that you know what we actually have a we actually have a say in rather or not how um, you know government funding or how um, certain arts institutions should be operated um, that sort of thing and so it's, it, that context itself is quite interesting because not a lot of people knew about it I guess mm. from our community we all sort of knew about mm. it. But um, what I found really quite interesting was that um, as, a, as a result of um, the actions, some of the artists in the show um, also responded by um, uh, either changing the title of the work or including um, sort of content from the conversation to kind of make oh. it really visible as, a, as an exhibit mm. during the whole triennial mm. exhibition period. Oh. And what I found really interesting was that seeing general public mm. really engaged with that content mm, okay. and not necessarily understanding where it was coming from because right. they haven't heard about it. Oh, okay. And um, so this is Richard Moss' um, mm. work. Um, and, yeah, so that's just kind so of the So you think that the sort of art work is sort of exposed, like, on. Uns- hidden problem in the art world to the general public. Yeah, which is quite interesting because that's different to making an artwork about an issue. Mm. Um, This is about actually activist Mm. action, you know, at this institution. Okay. Um, But, yeah, I thought I might just talk about the two really controversial and, um, like, uh, relevant works in this context and they're both video works mm-hmm. um the first one is richard moss um incoming mm-hmm. um it's the it's it's on level three at the ngv and it's this massive three channel video installation um really big sounds you go in and you're completely consumed in this work um so Richard Moss has spent um, a couple of years, um, 2015, 2016, um, kind of in uh, locations where he could um, 
use a military camera mm-hmm. that detects um, thermal radiation up to 30 kilometers um, mm-hmm. to shoot um, the refugees who were crossing the border into Europe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the images, um, because with this specific camera, um, a lot of the images were um, black, they were all black and white, and they picked mm-hmm. up. Um, body heat and mm. um, blood circulation and that sort of thing and so they don't quite look human mm. um, and the, the work is quite long and I remember sitting in there and really feeling it and there were times when I was completely just blown away by it mm. and completely submerged in the in in the the sound of um, a launching rocket and the sound of um, the ocean um, and could really kind of see the impact of, or the feel, like physically, the impact of um, what he was trying to say. Mm. But then at the same time, on the other side of it, mm. um, I also felt, I also felt um, that he was walking this ethical line for me, um, being this Irish um, video artist or photographer who came from a documentary um, photography background, um, it was quite problematic for him to, I guess, use this like highly sort of dehumanising mm. um, technology and to represent refugees mm. in that particular life. Do you feel like it was exploitative? A little bit, but only at times, um, which is unlike forever on the fence about his uh, work. Uh, I did do some research and I found some... Um, he kind of spoke a little bit about the work in various sort of um, interviews and stuff. Uh, and so he actually um, described this particular work at an interview um, in 2017 um, that... Um, he saw documentary photography is um, just another sort of constructed way of seeing the world as anything else. Mm. And so instead of using it as a form of telling the truth or mm. revealing the truth, mm. which is quite often what um, mm. no. documentary photography might present itself yeah. to be, he was trying to sort of um, just use one way to tell the story. Mm. And it's, it's like, rationally, I understand that. Mm. <laughs> but emotionally, I found it quite mm. difficult to kind of be completely okay with the power dynamic that I, he put himself in yeah. in this particular work. I wonder if you think, uh, just uh, as if, as if um, Richard Moss is a not-Irish guy, is a coloured you know, from third countries, do you think that you would change that kind of... I think it actually depends on the method of okay. of making the work. And I also did some research on that. Mm. Um, and he actually described it, mm. the production of this particular work, mm. as a two-step process. Um, he said that using the camera, like the military camera, um, that only picks up thermal radiation mm. was dehuman like dehumanizing yeah. and yeah. he kind of admitted to that mm. but then um 
in the shots where he was picking up the intimate moments of, um, you know, kids and, mm. and you mm. know, people making food and, mm. and whatnot, that he was trying to make them human again. Mm. And I just, I just can't... See that. I sort of, I could kind of see it, but also kind of... Yeah. Don't want to. <laughs> okay. Because, um, you know... Yes, like of course, there's that that like, the inherent like identity, like his identity and yeah. and the position of power that mm. that he puts him yeah. in in this situation, and yeah. same as his previous work um, on Clave, which is the mm. infrared yeah. photography twelve channel video installation that was also at NGV yeah. as part of that collection, um, and the way that he created those images were you know in some ways um collaborative like this I'm talking about Enclave yeah um because he had to work with um you know people who the local people Mm. in Congo yeah whereas with this work Mm. he didn't have to because Mm. he was so far away he Mm. was 30 kilometers away Mm. from every single subject that Mm. he was actually shooting and so it really reminded me of I guess what, um, you know, Photography 101, describing how the camera is a weapon um, Mm. by Susan Sontag, Um, that he was, he didn't have to be up close and engaged with the subjects, Mm. he was just Mm. shooting them from a distance. Yeah, I get what you say, Um, from my point of view, um, I think that's his approach, I see that as his approach artist's approach to this subject um that's probably linked to he think the documentary film should be should show just one way one side of story as it is you know mm-hmm. and i think that's put himself away from that community from the subject is that exactly how military people using the lens for so he through that you know, uh, repeating that same method of military people been using is to expose that problems Mm. of viewing, that particular viewing. Yeah, but I also feel like it's a double-edged sword. It's like, it's it's revealing the the problems and and revealing the, you know, the the, the, underlayer of Mm. this... Um, of this crisis but on the other hand he's also potentially um, adding to the trauma and I think it just this makes me think of um, there's a particular responsibility I think when you're working with that kind of documentary photo media medium absolutely Um, this makes me think of not really related but sort of when Ai Weiwei did that Instagram post that was critically like you know when he kind yeah. of posed himself as that um child on the beach yeah and that was just like that just crossed a line you know mm. and it's this kind of thing um this kind of makes me think what you're talking about makes me think of um more photojournalists you know criticism photojournalists who have been in situations of conflict or crisis taking a photo mm. of that happening but not actually in any mm. way intervened mm. or stopped that mm. from happening like, i'm thinking of that example of that really famous photo of that child that yep. was starving to death and people were mm. like why did not why did the photographer not intervene intervene, intervene. or do anything yeah. like that so there's that kind of particular responsibility i think that is 
very specific to this sort of medium. Mm-hmm. Richard Moss's work made me feel very uncomfortable, made me feel very complicit in my own kind of privilege and kind of living in this very safe bubble. Mm-hmm. I think maybe that is one of the powers mm-hmm. of that particular work. It makes you also realise, you know, he's 30 kilometres away. I'm mm-hmm. like thousands of kilometres away. Mm-hmm. I read about this in the news, but I actually mm-hmm. don't really have any real mm-hmm. engagement or understanding of what this looks like. Yeah. So I understand what you mean about mm. that kind of, mm. um, but I I think there's so many different kind of nuances to it, and also your person, the way you personally bring your own mm. perspective into yeah, the, yeah, the reading of that mm. one. And I think that is a perfect segue to the next work because um, I guess one of the things that really struck me was, um, you know, what is what is the what's the condition of having artists or artworks that are about the refugee crisis or kind of commented on it um, being presented in Australia mm. which you know where we have the most um horrible asylum seeker policy mm. in the world mm. or in the western world or the ones that have signed the, mm. the refugee um, convention um that there's kind of a direct commentary mm. as well like for Australia mm. and um so the the, uh, the second work that I wanted to talk about was um, Candace Britt's um, love story, which has been the name, the title of the work has been changed by the artist to Wilson Moscow mm-hmm. as um, a sort of action against um, the security contract um, that NGV has with Wilson. Um, this is a seven channel video installation and um, it's... Very interesting because um, seeing, I remember we had this conversation prior to this podcast mm-hmm. and before I went to do this research to yeah. really understand like what it was about, Okay. Um, my immediate um, response to the work was, wow, this is really quite interesting because mm-hmm. um, here you are, you have two Hollywood actors, um, Alec Baldwin and um, Juliana Moore. Um, and it's it's sort of everybody knows them. It's about the performances of mm. other people's stories, and even within their performances, there was kind of moments when they were, um, I guess, revealing the fact that um, these stories would have been very different if it if they didn't perform mm. those stories. Mm. And so there's like this really strange kind of uncomfortable. You know what is this? What what is going on? Like, is this your story? It's obviously not your story. Whose story is that? And then when you go to the second room, you see the original mm. stories. Mm. Um, and then I did a little bit of research into that and mm. found out that the process that um, the artist has taken with the two actors were that um, she asked them to pick three stories Mm -hmm. and then um so they could chop them up and then re-perform so there was like this act of selection and so mediators through their own experience in the case yeah yeah and also their identities and the fact that they're Mm. actors and that they're performing Mm. and that it's not their story how would Mm. they do that and why what are the choices that they would do in order to tell the story in the way that they wanted to and so they they the two actors were given so much agency in like how they would like to Mm. perform those stories Mm. and ultimately the work was about um 
what kind of stories people, general public, everyone mm. are willing to hear and mm. why. And why wouldn't you listen to just anyone um, and that in that communication um, between sort of, you know, the story and media and how we receive that information is very often, mm. um, you know, the yeah. same process that, that has been done with these actors, yeah. which have been, you know, chopped up, selected information and then being, you know, mm. reconstructed again. Yeah. And so it's, I thought that it was quite an interesting, um, quite an interesting way of talking about this particular issue mm. of the refugee I crisis. think, yeah, I think it's no wrong, um, I haven't done any research, thanks for doing <laughs> research. Well, definitely uh, it's changed the view of seeing the work, knowing the whole process making. Yeah. I think um, from what you just described, the way, of, you know, uh, how... Um, um, Candice make this work um, is that I think the work is no longer really about yes refugee become the material the content um, Candice use but really struck me is the truth the version of truth so um, what is truth you know mm. how we all talk about and also truth the truth of a history also you know those events is all happened in the past so um you know the those particular facts or carried by human mouth memories so um you know we kind of question why um you know we feel like um um uh cons- Concisive. Mm. Um, when we listen, there's two big Hollywood mm. talk about story. Then um, when we listen to people who ordinary people who mm. don't know who they are, no identity, we try to. I tend to believe that was the truth. But you know, what, why yeah. is that? And then I think you know it, because you know they inherit that those people have no identity probably filtered through their own experience did the exactly process of those kind of mm. this um hollywood artists did that uh they selected this part of story and through their experience and told the story so i think they did exactly the same process telling this particularly events in the past but we tend to believe one but not, not the, the other, other. So yeah. you just kind of so what is truth? What what we tend to believe? I think that's really I think that's really I think um become essence of this yeah. work. And um, I remember when we first talked about the work, yeah, um, we had this conversation about rather or not if the people in the back room, like the mm. six other screens, were the real. Like, were they real stories, stories or were they yeah. also actors? Yeah. Um, that was, like, before reading into any of, yeah. you know, of the text that, that was available online. Yeah. But um, even, like, that kind of immediate, like, hang on, like, I know that, you know, those two were actors, but what about all of you? Like, are you actors too? Because just because you are... Not famous. Yeah, not know. famous yeah. or that you are... Um, you know, emotional while you are talking about a story mm. doesn't mean that we should trust you. But that, like, that um, response, like, mm. I was actually quite shocked. Mm. Like, I shocked myself. Mm. <laughs> like, actually thinking it's weird to have first received the information through um, two actors mm. and then 
And yeah, then you it's a very deliberate in. how she's set it up as well. Yeah. Mm. So, like, you could really easily miss the second room, I suppose. Mm. The screens are somewhat smaller in there. It would be very different if it was the other way around. Mm. If the version of the truth was I, I'm just looking at the website. The way they showed um, this work, they put um, the video still of one video um, juxtaposed another video still. So you see the... Um, you know, famous um, actor, actress, and top, you know, talking story. Underneath that, there's another person mm-hmm. on their own. Strangers talk about the story. So I think, I wonder if they show a video in this format, I wonder if that would make you see more of the process, or I wonder. Yeah, potentially. Mm. But I think in some ways that it, the work has succeeded in deceiving. Yeah. Um, everyone um, yeah. in a way that you know it's more I, like look at this I didn't think that Sorry. I <laughs> yeah. yeah well it's a um, uh, photo is um, what's his name Alec Baldwin yeah. Alec Baldwin wearing sunglasses and talk a story next to him this vi- image is another um, black fella wear sunglasses <laughs> and talk a story so those two video still sort of montage together immediately you feel like there's a mimic action mm. in the process and the whole artifice of the whole thing because now that I see those images again I see how with the actors one you can see the kind of green screen and the props and everything it's very mm. visible it's mm. like obviously a kind of studio yeah. setting it's um, I think that again brings an element of um, that kind of artificiality to it but I think it's also interesting the whole celebrity factor which then I think comes back to the whole NGV experience that mm. I had, because I've seen the whole show over the three mm. floors. It's a very big, flashy show. It's all about um, ambition. It's all about, like, how many, you know, great Instagram photos can I take? It's, <laughs> it's about immersive. It's about, mm. it's about that kind of um, public engagement. Mm. Yeah. And I think even in this kind of context, having this work is very poignant because... Mm. I think people will be like, oh, look, it's like two famous people. Let's listen to what yeah. they have to yeah. say. And actually, that's the whole point, that we miss yeah. the other narrative, kind of narratives. Because I find the whole NGV as a whole um, quite problematic, the way it's yeah. um, kind of being curated. Um, yeah. But, yeah, this work really kind of nails that for me, I think, in terms of what the real yeah. issue yeah. is. Because definitely, you know, I when I was sitting in that video room, people were not going through to, you know. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great. I think we talk a lot. <laughs> Thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, insights, and experience of those two shows. Um, thanks again, and um, uh, thanks for listening for uh, the first episode of Three Belly Buttons. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. No worries. Hope to talk more no, later. Fried chicken. <laughs> <laughs>Three Belly Buttons podcast is one word. The next episode will be released in two weeks. 
Bye for now. Big applause for Marcel Fairfay for composing amazing soundtrack for this podcast and recording, editing the sound.